You're listening to That's What I Thought, a casual conversation about life, love, relationships, and the lessons we learn. Here are your hosts, Micah and Annette. Hey guys, welcome back to That's What I Thought. Welcome back! I know it's been a week, but we're ready for part two of talking about grieving well. And so we're just going to dive in. Yeah, we're finishing finish off the month. I think so, yeah, because next week we're starting love stories. This is true. We we're going to do that in February, so this must be the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're stoked about that. But to recap, last week we talked a little bit about some common misconceptions about grief, um, that it's not just the loss of a loved one, uh, although that's often the case, but it can look like grieving, losing your job. Um, It can look like leaving college or um, a breakup or pretty much any time you have an expectation and things are different there's a little bit of grief involved in that um so i think a good example is to just talk about 2020 as a whole what i think is really unique about last year is just us experiencing definitely on a national level and almost an international level just a lot of grief there were a lot of losses a lot of things taken away that especially as Americans, we don't really think about those things being taken away from us. So like there's grief involved in not being able to grocery store or to restaurants like you normally do. That's a big one. I know I've seen people really grieve that not being able to go to restaurants or movies, um, not being able to go on your family vacation that you always take every year or even seeing your family at holidays. Um, there's grief in Mike and I got married last year. We had plans to get married in June and then that didn't happen. And then it was cold on our wedding day. And overall I'm grateful and things were good, but there were still little things in there that I grieved because I had an expectation for things to look a certain way and they just didn't. And that was hard. And um, I think our, our gut response is to be like, well, but it's not as hard as this other situation. Like I didn't lose a relative to COVID or um, whatever it may be. And I think it's important to remember that it's not a competition. And also you can be like, hey, you're grieving and that's really hard. And I'm sad about this thing and that's hard. It just like sometimes (laughs) they're different and they take different amount of times like Grieving, changing our wedding day is very different than a very different time period than grieving, losing a loved one. So, yeah, they can just, they span different amount of time. They look differently. Um, but I think we all, to different degrees, had grief last year. Um, whether it was you lost your job or one of those other examples. And I'm kind of sad because I don't think we really recognized that as definitely people of God and just as a nation as a whole. I think when things 
are difficult. The phrase that I heard last year all the time and still is like, when are we going to get back to normal? There's always a desire from everyone. Um, and I think it's normal to want to get back to normal, get back to comfort. I think that's how we're designed to avoid pain, um, which is helpful because it keeps us alive, but it doesn't always help us process things in a healthy way. And it doesn't always help us bring things to the feet of Jesus. And so I think as followers of God by saying like, this is uncomfortable and I don't like it and I want it to be normal. So I'm going to do everything I can do to make things feel normal may not be as helpful as saying like, this is hard. And instead of trying to control things by my own power, like I'm going to pray and fast and have my life look differently because maybe God has a good for me in this that I don't see. And the situation doesn't have to be good for God to use it for your good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I believe that for sure. I believe, I believe that all, not all bad things that happen to us are from God, but I believe hundred percent that God can use all the bad things that happen to us to bring him glory. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, um, death, for example, like especially spouse, young spouses who have gone through the loss of their husband yeah, and to watch and be able to watch how they're using that story or that uh, life narrative, that's not the right term, but just that experience mm -hmm. to be able to walk alongside other people who are now going through that. Right. And just how God's using that in a redemptive way. And so like, I love that about grief too, is that this is the weird thing to think about, but the more you go through it, the more you can help people through it. Mm -hmm. And which, I mean, goes along with anything that you're experiencing in life. Um, but which is scriptural. Yeah. I mean, God says he's the God of all comfort. Mm -hmm. And he says the things you go to go through are to bring someone else comfort yeah. and show them him in that. So that's a hundred percent scriptural. <laughs> and like with Joseph's story in the Bible, he has everything. And then his brothers completely betray him try to kill him and then decide to sell him as a slave. He's a slave and works really hard, but then gets falsely accused and sent to jail. And then eventually God remembers him and brings him out of that into a high position and like makes his glory known through Joseph. But Joseph even says like, he's forgiving his brother. He says, it's the things that you did were intended for evil but God used them for good. And he works that way so often. And that doesn't always mean that there's going to be even a perfect happy ending in your lifetime, maybe. But yeah. I just finished listening audiobook through Dwell, which is a Bible app that's a listening app. Um, which is really great. So I'm doing the chronological Bible in here, which my friend Ashley Paley is doing. So I was inspired by her to also do that. But we just finished Job. And Job is a story about a guy who is super faithful to God. And Satan is like, yeah, he's only faithful to you because you give him everything. And if he didn't have everything, then 
he wouldn't be faithful to you. And so God's like, all right, do whatever you want to do to him, but just don't kill him. Um, so like knowing that God gives, has to give Satan permission is first of all, just powerful. And then seeing that play out that Job experiences these horrible, awful things, his children die, his entire livelihood is destroyed. His body is just covered with awful, horrible things. He's miserable and pain and crying out to God. Um, and just this horrible, horrible situation. And in the end, God is like, hey, who do you think you are? Essentially, he's like, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? No. It's like, I don't, I don't owe you an explanation. But he honors our faithfulness. And then you see at the end of Job, everything he had, God restores it tenfold. He's yep. way richer. He has amazing kids, all these. Way more wise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think Job is also a perfect story to talk about how to be a friend in times of grief because Job had some really awful friends <laughs> in times of grief. Um, and in high school and still now I'm really close with these friends who listen often. So hi friends, but they, <laughs> first of all, are love, love scripture and Bible and love the story of Job. And I just feel like, they live kind of a Job life because just really hard things happen to him, to their family. So like, um, they, my friend who has Kenny Baylor, um, she was walking through this and they just taught me so much about like how to walk with someone who's grieving. So like, obviously there's things like she couldn't necessarily participate in because she wasn't feeling well, or, um, there's times she was sicker than others or she was on dialysis and just, a lot of things to grieve that make you sad um, and that are just difficult. And I loved and still love getting to walk through those things with them because they're faithful to God. And so like God does miracles. Like she was able this one in a million match, get a kidney to replace um, her failing kidney. But one of the best, the most important lessons that they taught me is like, when someone's going through a hard time, sometimes the best thing is to just not say anything. And like we talked about a little bit last time, to just be quiet and just be with them. Especially when something is really fresh and new. Like, I think it's okay to say, like, what do you need right now? And sometimes people can give voice to that. But sometimes, like, things are so just heavy and in your face and all-encompassing that you don't you don't even know what you need you're just like I, I don't know like I'm in shock I don't so like being able to be quiet and sit with people or just like knowing things that have to get done that maybe they're not thinking about like making sure that they have something to eat taking care of their physical needs do they have toilet paper do <laughs> is the trash getting taken out is all these other things like those can be some of the strongest forms of love and showing Christ's love, but it's so much more difficult than saying, let me know what you need or dropping off a casserole. You know, like I think we find excuses to not engage those things that are really messy and difficult, like grief or um, walking through something difficult with someone. 
which is also why I think we tend to say like, oh, let me know what you need and I'm so sorry for your loss and then forget about them in two weeks because we're not thinking about that situation. Do you feel me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I just take a, I like to take a pause because I get talking and then realize I'm talking maybe too much. But I think one of the other lessons they taught me is that a lot, often, we have really bad theology when things are difficult. Like, we just want to say, like, oh, God's going to make everything all right. Or, like, they're an angel now and they're in heaven. Or um, just, again, these things to kind of dismiss them. And oftentimes, like, we'll use scripture or just, like, want to, want to stamp it with something to make it nice and pretty and put a bow on it. And it's not like the, if you share scripture with them, that it's not true. Like they're not going to be an angel. That's not how it works, but <laughs> that's bad theology. But sometimes, I mean, the scripture is true. It's just not really helpful at that moment. Cause they don't really need like, like Job's friends. They're trying to like say all these things about like who God is and yada, yada. And they just like are completely missing the fact that their friend is like really suffering and just needs them to be there and to like be an encouragement and show Christ and, um, or show God. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, we were talking this about this the other day in a private conversation, just about relationships, but it's much harder to love the way Jesus loves than it is to follow the normal protocol of being nice and helpful, you know, because it's so much messier. So like when you think of um, the Good Samaritan who stopped and helped his enemy on the road, like he went out of his way, he gave his time, he gave his money, he gave his reputation to be helpful to someone who probably would have never even cared about him. And that's the way that we're called to love. And that's the way that we're called to love in grief. And it seems like we should be better at that because most of the people we're walking through grief with are our friends, but it's so hard to be selfless in those situations and love them and think of them as better than ourselves and say, I'm going to avoid just reaching for the easy fix and saying everything is fine. And instead, I'm just going to I'm gonna sit and wait and pray and help make sure your physical needs are met until you're able to verbalize maybe something else you need or you need to talk through it or just being there and being present enough to be there when the need comes. What do you think? About what? About those things I said. About those things. I think we should talk about the more lighthearted type of grief. I guess not lighthearted, but the not death type of grief. Okay. Do you have one in mind? Um, uh, just what what in your experience? I guess we can do this. Mm -hmm. Have you ex where have you experienced grief outside of death? Breakup. Breakup. Job loss job loss um, and then how is that how is that different 
how, how, yeah, how's that different than like the grief of a death? I think first and foremost, it's less known and thought about by your peers. Yeah. Like all my friends probably knew that I had a breakup mm. and they might be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. That sucks. Yeah. But they're not walking alongside me like they would maybe if I had lost someone, which wasn't the case in my situation because I had really great friends who were just awesome and helpful and listened so much beyond what I deserved. But yeah, um, yeah it's less public or like losing your job. <clears throat> it's just less, I mean, no one's throwing a funeral for you for that. Yeah, There's no kind of ritual that's like, oh, that horrible thing happened to you. Yeah. And even saying just grief and losing a job is, it's also like just leaving a job. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. like whether or not you chose to do it. So like, or was, yeah. Cause normally like you would, you would associate grief in a job setting with losing a job, mm -hmm. right? Like you're fired, downsized, whatever, mm -hmm. which is a very valid type of grief. But then people don't really think about the fact that, like, maybe somebody's griefing, gr grieving mm -hmm. uh, a job that they chose to walk away from. Yeah. Right? Because there's, I mean, maybe there's something better that they're walking to, mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the fact that, like, there's relationships and effort and time that you've put into this other job that you're leaving mm -hmm. willingly, but there's still that, that valid feeling of grief which i feel is uh, is newer to me it's a newer idea to me that type of grief mm -hmm. in, in a job setting because you don't i don't really think i mean like i've gone through a couple of jobs but the only times i really grieved the jobs was like the last day and i would always grieve like the relationships that i built mm -hmm. that i'm now going to lose and so, but uh, yeah, and it wasn't until, really until you've gone through your current situation of leaving a job mm -hmm. and then how, seeing how that's much, you've grieved that just because you've put so much work into this other job and then the relationships that you've built over the past couple of years, that same thing that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, in the process of, of leaving that. So that, that's really when it kind of became more, I'm like, oh, this is like an actual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the same with like my exodus from <laughs> my position at the church too, of grieving the relationships that I had and knowing that like I'll still have them, but they're just going to look way different because I'm not getting that everyday contact with people mm -hmm. and then feeling that. And then like friendships in general, right? Yeah. You that's know that all too well. And then I do too, like, like we talked about, I don't even know which episode it was. It was pretty early on of like my, how I had to like break off relationships with my mm -hmm. friends in high school mm -hmm. and how like I really grieve that Yeah. and how I still grieve that mm -hmm. and just how that much it bothers me. Around. Yeah. How much about like, yeah. Cause I'll see them post something on social media and then just all those memories get rushed right back of just feeling the. The separation in that yeah and how just the relationships are just not the same mm -hmm. and they won't ever be and so just walking through that mm -hmm. and then you've done you've had that same experience because i remember one of your friends at that point that we were kind of talking through how much you 
have missed and grieved like the relationships that you had to walk away from mm-hmm. because like, dude, you're just not proximal anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that proximity friendship type thing. It's just, and now it looks different. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like you don't have those same friends anymore, but it just looks different. Mm-hmm. And just how like different seasons or situations and just the changing of each thing, mm-hmm. how there's grief in that too, which yeah. is something that we've talked about a lot recently because we haven't had, we've been fortunate enough to not have anybody close to us uh, pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like for us, we've been, like this last year, like you talked about, like there's a lot of things that we've grieved mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with that. Death. Right. And so, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, about that and validating that sure. as another way of grief or another type of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a really great point because grief isn't always because of a bad thing. Like yeah. it, it can be just a transition, like you said. So like, I think of even when I moved from my apartment into my house, yeah. I was moving from a good thing to a good thing. I didn't have any bad experiences in my apartment and I was excited to move to my house, but it's just the, the transition. Yeah. It was a different season. It's an end of an era. <laughs> <laughs> so like to, there's just, there's a grief in that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a monumental life shattering grief to be, an important grief for you to recognize in your life yeah because i mean i didn't take years to be like oh i need to grieve my apartment but <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was still important for me to recognize the significance yeah. of that era and i think that brings to mind a really good point babe like the um the hebrews in the old testament especially were really great at building altars and they usually built altars because god did something great there um, I think it's hard for us to recognize or say that a grief is significant without having some sort of like physical, tangible um, celebration or recognition of that event being significant. Yeah. So like the obvious example, death of a loved one, you have a funeral. But what does that look like for your job? or moving apartments or whatever. So I think something that I've learned this process of learning about grief in my life is like, I have to figure out what my own funerals are going to look like for each thing. Mm. So like when I went through that really hard breakup, it was a lot of talking to friends and processing that, but also it was, I did a lot of like painting And that was kind of like my funeral every time I needed to, like I had pictures in my head and I really needed to process that in a way that wasn't just like talking or writing and I needed some way to creatively deal with that. I would paint. And that was a very like therapeutic experience for me that God really worked through to be like, this is the reality. This is what happened. And like through those things, he was able to heal the grief of that in my life. Or I think of, when I moved from like apartment to house, like watching Tangled is kind of like, which is silly, but like the Disney movie Tangled, it's like kind of, it's a significant movie in my life. And so I kind of use it as a transition marker often of like, hey, there's this great adventure happening. 
I'm gonna sit down and like process and celebrate this transition by watching Tangled. <laughs> and like, like that's just like a silly fun thing. It doesn't have to be like this huge somber event you do with all of your friends. It's just like, what does it look like to kind of have a funeral for this situation? And sometimes then what is the wedding for the next great situation look like? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important too in that funeral phase, right? Mm -hmm. To also let there be a big celebratory part of that. Mm -hmm. So to celebrate what has been and even in actual like death, right? To be able to take the time to celebrate who this person was and what they've done and how they've uh, impacted you and stuff like that. Like to take the time to, to not just be sad about or whatever emotion you're feeling mm-hmm. about the loss, but to be able to celebrate like the good parts of it, because I, I feel like that makes it a lot easier to walk through the hard parts of it. Yeah. To remember what was good about it. So like even like transitioning from an apartment to a house, mm-hmm. like remembering the fun parts about, you know, living by yourself mm-hmm. and then, uh, and all the adventures that came with that. Mm-hmm. And then. And telling stories. Yeah. And telling stories and then be able to grieve that and on the other side so like then to you know just be like i'm gonna miss this this is you know this I've, was a good part of my life it's a good part of my life i had a lot of fun you know it was i got to live by myself because <laughs> when you move into the house you had a roommate and then roommates and then husband and <laughs> mm-hmm. and so you know to and there's grief with all of yeah, those things exactly and so yeah they you said it to remembering, yeah. which you really have to, if you dissect that word and think about it, like think about like the members of your body, like your limbs and everything. So like the research I did, they had talked about this concept of remembering by telling stories and creating language about, in this context, like a person that you lost in your life. You're remembering, you're taking yeah. the members of them and putting them together. So like in your mind, you have a clear idea of what actually happened in reality. That's why like, it's so important to tell good and bad stories about the loss of a loved one or the change of a job or a house or whatever, because you're creating the pathways in your mind that say like, this is what's happened and this is the truth of the situation so that you can find healing and take steps towards what's next. It's crazy. Your mind. <laughs> it's insane. Amazing. So yeah, but that was a really good point. But the remembering process is huge. Yeah, because like yeah, I was thinking about that because in each one of my job transitions, I guess in mo- in my life, that's been like one of the bigger parts outside of like losing my grandfather and like my great great grandmother, mm-hmm. which are pretty much the two most significant deaths that I've had in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then it was like like graduation day, high school. Yeah. That was a big one. Like, it was a super exciting day. Probably the most fun I had in my, well, I guess, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I'll say my entire life, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was a good day. I really, one of the fondest memories I have in my life is yeah. graduation day, being there with all of my classmates, um, and just being able to celebrate that we're done and we're over it. Mm-hmm. And then, but now, but even the, the grief was kind of delayed in that too. Mm-hmm. Where it was, it wasn't that day, but it was like later on that summer where I was realizing that like my friends are, because I didn't go to college yet. 
So like my friends were all leaving and I was the only one here. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that was really just, that grief was with like my close friends, mm-hmm. which is really where, cause that, that was about the time too, where I started to really shift. Um, yeah. Went through that whole process of reevaluating who I'm letting speak into my life. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. Ooh. Um, but yeah, and then like later on, like we just see photos of like friends on Instagram, and like brings back those fun memories of, of like high school and all the goofy things that I did with this person. Mm-hmm. It just triggers all those things. It hits the button, as you say, mm-hmm. and then like super exciting things. And then there's just that little sliver afterwards. Where I'm like, man, this was good days. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. So, but now all you have grief. like when you say those are the good days and that was exciting. Like you have yeah. this great picture of what it was. Yeah. And like you can think of good and bad things. Like it's easy to romanticize something that happened in the past or someone who passed away. Yeah. But like creating that fuller picture in your life. And graduation is a super good example because it's very bittersweet because you're moving from one good thing to another. But yeah, your relationships are changing whether you like it or not. Yeah. Your situation is changing, but it's good. It's a good thing. You're moving in phases, but still a grief to recognize, which is cool because then, like, graduation day, weddings, and funerals, you all have a ritual for all of those things. So what does that look like in the other areas of your life? And I would say it is important, although sometimes those things are more private, that you have people do it with you because the communal aspect is more important than you realize. So. I think we can stop there. I could talk about grief all day. So if this is something that excited you um, or you're passionate about, please reach out to us on Instagram or through Anchor um, and let us know your thoughts because we want to encourage you as best we can through those things. You can find us at That's What I Thought Podcast. We'd really love to hear it. You can also give us a solid review on any platform you're on. That would be super helpful to us too. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. We're going to start a new series. Bye. Bye.